Hi, I'm George Tekmachov, and this is the final Eastern Target Archery podcast of 2021, probably. And I'm here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson. It's the 2021 show in review, Steve. And <laughs> we've got so many great, so many great memories of 2021. So many great things that we have uh, that we've seen accomplished. And I just wanted us to share our views. Uh, we haven't really talked about this before the show, just to compare notes and see if we share the same highlights. And some of you out there have already weighed in uh, earlier this week on the Easton Target Archery Facebook page. And I will say that uh, a lot of the usual suspects that we expected to be named as highlights of the year certainly turned out that way, didn't they? Yeah. Um... I, you know, we had a little pre-show discussion, I guess you could call it, and uh, went over some of this. But there's, there was a lot to remember, and it made it easy to forget. I mean, we, we, we talked about how the year has gone by fast, but at the same time, events like Lausanne World Cup feel like they were forever ago. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thing, right? Because... As you say, it feels like the year went really quickly. Uh, even even Tokyo's feeling like it was a while ago now, and it was. I mean, we're talking six months here almost. Yeah, yeah, it it, it was a while ago, but it, probably because we jammed, you know, World Championships, World Cup final, um, and then just everyone, you know, some time to unpack in between Tokyo and today. Well, and I think that's the key. We had such a long lull. And then, boom, we had Lausanne, and then right into full speed Guatemala, all the other stuff in the World Cup circuit. We had preparation for the Olympic Games. We had the Olympic trials in Salt Lake City for the Americans. Um, then everybody's off to Tokyo, and boom, 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 we're seeing all these accomplishments by some of these top shooters. And we had a short lull, boom, Paralympic Games. Paralympics did their thing. We had people like uh, the rooster, Kevin Mather, with his performance. That's right. Yeah, like even his, uh, when we had him on the podcast, that seems forever ago. Yeah, but, you know, it really wasn't that long ago. But uh, like you say, you know, I think we get a time distortion, a feeling of time distortion in times like these. And uh, it's just what it is. I'm sure a lot of people share this observation. But, you know, right after that, it felt like, Boom, Yankton, and that epic series of events, the World Archery Congress, followed by the World Archery Championships, followed by the World Cup Final, and so many great things to be taken from each of those. And in fact, if you stretch back, going all the way back to the beginning of the calendar, I left out the fact that really we got started again with a actual Vegas shoot. Now, we didn't have the big audience that we're used to for a Vegas shoot, but we had all the top contenders there for a substantial cash prize including yourself. And that started in April. And that's, I think, when we could have said, yeah, archery's back pretty much. And then by the time Yankton came around, archery was back and continues yeah. to be at this time as we speak. Yeah. The, the, the Vegas thing, you know, that was a nice kickoff. And for all of us, we were kind of just happy to be there. Yeah. Some of us hadn't seen each other in more than a year, you know, in some cases, right. Some of the top shooters that I saw in Vegas, I hadn't seen since right. the previous year yeah yeah because it would have been right after vegas we quit right 
and then uh so yeah that would have been you know you would Good have 11 months people since yeah. february and then we go 14 months later to april and we're back in vegas exactly so it was um yeah there's a i i have forgotten about a lot of the things that have occurred i think that's understandable given the fact that so many things happen over a relatively compressed period of time after such a long lull but if you had to pick out one or two or three highlights, no particular order. What do you think you'd pick out for your highlights of 2021? Well, we we talked about how it's obvious when you're in an Olympic year. You know the the big the big moment is going to be the Olympic champions individual. Um, and in this scenario, we had Ansan with the triple gold, which was awesome. And, you know, she was just dominant. And then uh, Meta, obviously, he kind of had, just had a little bit of uh, swag, you know, running through there. And I say that in the most endearing manner. Just the whole time, you, like you and I podcasting the Olympics, and I thought that was pretty cool because we, it made me really focus in on every little thing that was happening. And, uh, you know, we kind of saw it early in those rounds, and we, I think we both predicted, we said whoever wins between Brady and Meta is probably taking this thing. Uh, you called Meta long before the Olympic Games, Steve. I'm, gonna, I'm giving you 100% credit there. You absolutely called it. Um, we're talking February, March, we were talking, and you were saying Meta. I think I you, call him a contender. I don't think I picked him to win. No, you did. I've got a text message from you. I saved it, and you did pick him to win at least six weeks before the Games. Why don't I bet on these things? Well, I'm just saying, I'm giving credit where it's due. So take it. Huh, thank you. Because you're the only person I know that actually called it that way, other than probably Meta himself. Well, I certainly believed, uh, I believe Brady would be there. You know, I, oh, yeah. I, and I looked was. at the guys who in the last couple of years have thrown down 690 plus and Meta had 697 or 698 and Brady obviously 702. And then some of the other usual suspects would have, that you expect to be competitive, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, and San, I didn't, I didn't know who she was because she hasn't well, been on a team previously yeah. that I have been there to see. Right. And, and to be fair, nobody knew what the Koreans were going to bring because they had, they had focused hundred percent on this event and didn't attend any of the world cup events. And so this was, you know, I remember talking with Tom Dillon and thinking, you know, is it possible this could be a big mistake on their part? It turned out not to be. But, you know, there was some risk there in, in not going to some other events and kind of getting your competition legs back with live audiences. Clearly, they made up for it in ways we didn't fully understand at the time. Yeah. But, you know, um, Ansan certainly was somebody who uh, was new to many and such an iconic winner, just so uh, distinct and serious and um, a great image for the sport. And I think that uh, as she proved in Yankton, that was no fluke. She's definitely a contender. Now with the depth the Koreans have, who knows what will happen this upcoming year, but you know, she's certainly left her mark and made history as the first person to win three Olympic gold medals at the same event. Yeah. And I don't see her going away. We've no. seen a lot of times where the Korean gold medalist doesn't make the team the next year. Yeah. I don't and think you're going to have that problem for her. Oh, nope, I don't think so. I think she's, 
I think she's got a one track mind and that's on dominating archery events. Yeah. It's, I, it's and I say that not knowing her at all. But. No. And, and I, you know, I, I really haven't gotten to know her either. Um, you know, being buried under the stage as it were during Yankton, I really didn't have a chance to interact with any of the shooters, but I will say that, uh, I believe that you're right. I believe that she is here to leave her mark and to continue to do so. So we'll, I think continue to see great things for her into the new year. Um, yeah, because it's I pretty clear that one of the, the all time Korean greats. Yeah. Now with that said, what a big deal it was for Casey Coffold to have bested her, you know, pretty much making Casey the only person that beat Ann Sen in any world cup stage, you know, in any, excuse me, uh, world stage, you know? Yeah. I mean, that was a very impressive thing on the part of uh, young Casey Coffold of the United States. I would, I would say it was one of the moments of the year. Yeah. Along with Jack Williams and what Jack was able to accomplish at the World Cup final. Yeah. One, one arrow shoot off to win against Brady. Yeah. And certainly don't take any credit from Brady. We're not. Um, because to get to that stage once again and have yet another chance at yet another World Cup grand final victory, Brady brought everything he had, I think, to both yeah. the Olympic Games and to the World Championships. It's like the 30th time he's made it in a row or something like that. Well, yeah, you're exaggerating only a little, but not much because it's uh, it's just been a body of work that is truly outstanding and special. And uh, I'm hoping that we'll continue to see great things from Brady in the season ahead. I know that, uh, you know, the, the field is getting deeper on the American side for both the men and the women. We had some That's good needed. news. That's yeah. needed. Another, another real highlight for me, of course, was Mackenzie Brown and her finals performance in, in Tokyo. Um, you know, she didn't medal, but she did as well as anybody has done in the United States on the women's side in decades, 30 years. And I think that her performance was absolutely admirable. And we want to wish her a very uh, uh, warm congratulations on her marriage, which took place in the... Uh, last 24 hours as we speak today. I think that that is terrific. And I think that if she chooses to continue to compete at that level, that uh, having a, a support like that is going to be even better for her potential career. So we'll see how that goes, but uh, congratulations to uh, Mac, to Mackenzie Brown. Yeah. Stuff like that can uh, really, it, it brings in uh, a different type of focus for some people. Um, and for some, it can be really helpful. Yeah, I, I would say it doesn't doesn't really hurt anybody. I don't think I, don't, I haven't seen anyone who got married and then started to suck at archery. I will say this: there's other sports where being married has been seriously problematic, like like supercross. I like to watch supercross, okay, dirt bike racing, indoor or in arenas. Um, there until 2020, there had never been a supercross champion, a first time supercross champion that was married. Interesting. You think it's an age, won is that an age their, thing? There's a little bit of that, you know, they're, they're going hard from the point there. I mean, most of those guys go there. They've been doing it since they were like five, right? but they're going really hard from like age 18 till, you know, whenever they can. And, and most of those champions probably come at about 24 to 26 years old. And finally, huh. a guy won it, and he was like 28 and married. But previous to that, none of them had ever been married. 
So there's a little bit of they just don't have time or they don't want to or um, when they get married, you know, now they've got another something pulling them another direction. And it just I think it's a fine margin sport. So, yeah. On the other hand, but I don't see good... that in archery. Like people no. get married and I've me personally, I got married. And then a couple of years later, I had one of my best years. Brady, yeah. the same. Yeah. Toya's yeah. shooting her best, you know. Yep. And Linda. A lot of people. It's good. Yeah. Linda's had her better years uh yeah. you know since 2015 so yeah six years now is hard for me to put under my hat it's hard for me to you know i mean that's a long time i mean on a certain level yeah it, i mean yeah we're coming up on seven years in, in january in, in yeah next month so and good on you for remembering that mr anderson yeah <laughs> <laughs> Normally well, we're you know, in like or something. So, you know, I always yeah. joke like, Hey, I take you to France for all of our anniversaries, but yeah. Speaking of, uh, speaking of Europe, um, I took the time a little earlier today to talk to Tom Dillon to get his point of view on what he thought was the, uh, the highlights of the year from his perspective. Zalik cares feast. <laughs> Not bad. No, I, I haven't worked at it very much, but I did my best. Merry Christmas, Tom. Same to you. Thank you for joining us today. Hope everything's been going great in Lausanne. I was uh, talking with Dean Alberga a little while ago, and I guess it, he, uh, he's been spending some time there, too. I'm seeing him sitting uh, five meters from me. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom, it's that time of year when we have a, a bit of a retrospective, so I... Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Um, the topic, of course, is where we've been and where we're going. And we've had so many highlights over the past year that I have challenged you with the same kind of thing that you always challenge Dean with, which is to pick out his favorites. What were your favorite moments of the competition season of 2021? If you can name any um, that are at the top of the big heap. Okay, well, for, for me, the, the number one uh, favorite uh, moment was, was probably being Guatemala at, at the World Cup stage and and, and being uh, being back with with the archery family. I would say uh, with with so many people from so many countries, uh, and I would say that sentiment has gone on in in every competition we've had since uh so i would say that would be definitely a highlight then of course that the other highlight was was the olympic games uh in tokyo and and again having the fact of having them was a highlight um despite all the challenges uh we had to overcome to have it happen uh, but that yeah. uh, definitely was also uh, a pretty one i would say I, i've said it before the games and 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 i would say I can say it again now, uh, and it might sound, I would say, strange to certain people, but my flight back home, because um, that meant it had happened. And we had five Olympic gold medalists. We had um, we had all those Olympians, under 28 Olympians. They, they, they had their games. Uh, we managed to pull it off. We had to... So, so I, I would say that was a very special moment for myself. 
the fact that I was able to sit in a plane going back and say, we did it. Realistically, and, we had such uncertainty 360, 365 days ago when, when we spoke about this very subject of what we hoped would be the upcoming Olympic Games after the stunning historic setback of having the Games postponed. Yes. Honestly, Tom, the real fear was cancellation. Oh, absolutely. And, and I must say, uh, I, we never know how, how close it was even in 21 to get to it because uh, people might not realize that it was actually quite close. Uh, yes. and, and I think it uh, took a lot of courage of the Japanese government to go ahead with it. Yeah. And in fact, there were talks up until just the last few weeks beforehand. Will they, won't they? And and I think that we need to appreciate the fact right. that uh, you know we dodged a dodged a bit of a bullet there. You know exactly. I, I we've we've gone a few a few days ago here in Switzerland through a situation where they called off the Winter University Games uh, ten days before it started. There were people going to leave two days later to come to Switzerland. Do you think, uh, Tom, that that haven't we proven that with proper um, safety protocols. I mean, we've had an Olympic Games that, as far as I'm aware, did not lead to a major increase or spread of illness in Japan. And uh, among the participants, we had a world championship that, as far as I'm aware, did not lead to uh, problems of that nature. Um, shouldn't that yeah. be something that Shouldn't no, that be absolutely. something that we take into consideration looking forward? Absolutely. And I would say that that would be the, the other. I would say that if you come into number uh, four then, uh, because we already had three, that would be number four then. Having had the World Championships, the World Cup and the Congress in Yankton. And looking, I would say I've, I've been participating in many virtual Congress General Assemblies over the last few weeks as well. Uh, and, and therefore, having ha had that Congress and the World Championships in Yankton is, is definitely also a highlight because uh, the fact that we were able to meet with all those national federations and, and discuss on important topics uh, to have taken important decisions, um, I've, I, I think it's, it's, it's vital as well to, to mention that because uh, we were able to do it. And, and yes, there, there have been some positives, but there's never been a cluster uh, nor at the Olympics, nor at the World Championships, nor anywhere else. And I think this is the critical thing, is that, yes, there have been some cases, but never a cluster generated by our sport, and that's critical. Yeah, and that's exactly what I was driving at. Of course, you're going to have a few positive tests here and there, but at the end of the day, you didn't have a big surge that was caused by the presence of the, uh, the confluence of those people from all those places. So as we move into the, uh, the current season, um, you know, with those four highlights, I think that there's a number of things for us to look forward to, but some of them, you know, may, may possibly have the same uncertainties that we've already dealt with, with the successful events that we've had this past year. Um, and some of that includes things coming up with pretty close proximity, like Nîmes. The, the reaction to the latest variant in France has been um, pronounced. Uh, any any updates on where things stand with Neem at this point? No, I think for the moment, and okay, uh, we have a few days before Christmas, the, the situation today is that, okay, it will be uh, very much uh, uh, open for, for people that, that are vaccinated and there will be probably testing and so on. 
but um, it's it's quite clear that uh, we will only really know, I would say, uh, two weeks or a week before uh, because things can vary. Yeah. Now, what we are seeing, and okay, this is based on the Delta variant more than the Omicron variant, that things seem to be over the, I would say, the maximum. Uh, it's on the way down again, and especially since a lot of people in, in, in Europe are getting their uh, booster shot, uh, which which definitely helps. And, and most of the governments are really pushing people to, to I, making life very difficult for people that are not vaccinated. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, and and so my guess is that by the time we get to to mid January we should be in a better situation than we are now, but okay. Uh, if there's one thing that this whole thing has learned us is don't rely on any certainties. So yes, uh, and, 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 and we're Olivier, all fully we're all fully familiar with that situation. Yeah, I, I know Olivier is definitely working with his team to get things done and and and. He's definitely wanting to do, put in a good show and, and have as many people as possible. But uh, we will see what the future will bring. And the same will, applies, of course, with Bruce for a month later. Uh, yep. The Vegas shoot is on. We spoke with Bruce and Brittany last week, those of you listening to the podcast. And, um, you know, again, as we've always said, you don't know until you know, but right now it's looking like the events in Vegas are going on. That doesn't include just the Vegas shoot. There's bigger events, much bigger events, like we talked about. The SHOT Show, for example, will be taking place in Vegas. Some question about uh, the computer electronics exposition. That uh, seems to have had a number of companies decide not to go. Kind of like what we're seeing, Tom, with the ATA show, some major players are deciding to sit that one out this year. But uh, Vegas is moving forward as we speak right now. And of course, there's other big events happening in 2022, World Field Championship, and many others. Yeah, we have, uh, we have um, the World Full Field calendar. Championships. We have the World 3D Championships. We have the World Cup, uh, which the stage is already known. So the first one will be in Antalya in April. Then we move to Korea, Guangzhou. Then we'll be heading to Paris again and finishing off with Medellin. Um, and then the final, uh, we will be able to announce that in, in February. Um, uh, inspection visit is taking place uh, at the moment. So we definitely have um, candidatures for that one. And yeah, definitely uh, looking forward to seeing that one. We will decide on that uh, end of January. And uh, yeah, uh, then uh, there is other events. Uh, we have the World Games, which is a, a very important event for us because it, it could be um, uh, an, an event that has a major impact on, on what happens with Compound for the future. So anyone listening that wants to go and watch uh, the World Games in uh, uh, Birmingham, Alabama next year, um, get your tickets. The, the yeah. quicker we and, get it sold out, the better. And, and I owe an apology to the folks who live in Alabama because I pronounced it Birmingham and it's Birmingham, Alabama. <laughs> I'll, I'll get you. You, you, by, you by, can by, say it any way you year. want. But as an American, I have to pronounce it correctly. So <laughs> my apologies 
to our friends down south. Birmingham, Alabama is where we're looking forward to seeing Compound on the highest level stage that it has in world competition, hopefully with an eye toward Olympic acceptance down the road, Tom. Well, and and linked to that next year, also very important is, of course, the Asian Games, which will have uh, for the first time in terms of, uh, I would say, uh, Asian Games, 10 medal events. So the, the two individual, the two teams and the mixed team. So we will have an equal number of medals given out in compound as in recurve, which is a major step forward for Asia. And uh, we really look forward to having uh, uh, a successful Asian Games in China uh, towards the end of the summer. So, Steve, as uh, as Tom alluded to, certainly having the Olympics, just the fact that it happened, you know, that he found himself on the airplane flying home, and that means, yes, we have our Olympic champions, and you know, not not to be not to be uh, not to be cynical about it, but yes, that means WA got its IOC money because that's a big deal. Got to get that cheddar, baby. Well, it's not just for the, uh, it's not for WA, it's for all the federations that count on that income, you know, for the revenue sharing from the IOC. I mean, without it. For all of us who participate and that trickles down to. 100%. Yeah, you may not see that money go to, uh, you know, USA Archery for this, but it creates events that we all participate in. So, Well, you definitely would see a big retraction in most countries of the sport without that. And, and I'm going to be honest, I, you know, it's, it's a necessary part of the structure of world sport, not just archery. Those Olympic games are the base of the pyramid and the money flows from that revenue sharing from the IOC. And I think a lot of folks who are sort of anti IOC or cynical about the role of the Olympic games in, in business they don't understand that without that structure in place, you're not going to have a Joad program. You're not going to have a lot of stuff that you currently take for granted because of the fact that it allows for the existence of organizational structure that allows your kid to get to a tournament and compete. That's the bottom line. Yeah, so. we might all just have one sport. We'd call it like ball or something, and we'd just pass <laughs> the ball around. and <laughs> That's it. Something like that. You know? Even compound, even compound benefits from this because, um, you know, for many years, compound was subsidized uh, by revenue that directly came from recurve, which directly came from Olympic participation. So every aspect of our sport is enhanced this way. And yeah, no, even today, yeah. we are definitely cheering for them to do well at the Olympics. Um, Absolutely. And, and that was not to, that was not meant as a divisive comment, Steve. It was simply no. a. You know, no. simply reality. Yep. And, and, and you know, and if yeah. I were to not embrace that and say, yeah, it's true, you know, that'd be kind of uh, foolish on me. Well, and, you know, one thing we're hoping for, you know, that's good news, as, as Tom alluded to, it's good news that uh, the Korean Federation um, is doing what it's doing with, uh, you know, building from the ground up compound shooters now. And it's also really good that it is something that we're seeing on the part of, um, the Asian Federation having added full medals to the Asian Games for compound. Yeah. That's terrific. That is great news. And it means that even more countries, hopefully, will be incentivized to uh, participate as, uh, 
as Compound is seeking its place next to Recurve, hopefully, uh, by 2028. And we'll know by 2024 whether that's a possibility. So uh, that's, a, that's an effort that continues. So if you had, uh, I'm going to go back to the whole year in review. Yeah. There was one shot. Do you have one particular arrow that stands out in your mind? Because I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when the Korean team in the mixed team had a Robin Hood on an X10 at 70 meters, that was a pretty impressive shot. That, yeah, you know, I, I thought you were stealing my thunder there because I was thinking when the Korean men's team won and Ojin Hyuk final, fired the final arrow and said it's over as he released it. That was my moment of the year. That was my second one. If you'd asked me for one more, that's the one I would have mentioned. I still think that's the coolest thing. I don't yeah. care if I should have said it the other day when Linda and I had our exhibition match and I was about to beat her. Yeah. Yeah. You should have had the, it's done. <laughs> yeah. It is done. I think that that is a line that any top shooter should aspire to be able to utter, but nobody's yeah. ever going to do it with panache of freaking Ojin Hyuk yeah. knowing where that arrow was going before he shot it. That guy is cool, man. Absolutely. Absolutely cool. And uh, we give him our best wishes for the holiday season as well. Uh, it turns out that he listens to podcasts, by the way. I don't know no how much way. of he, I don't know how much of it he gets, but <laughs> no way. He is, he is one of our listeners, so that's pretty cool. I I do not believe you. Well, I'll send you my proof. This is very exciting. Yeah, is it not? You never know who's listening to this thing, so maybe we should reconsider. Maybe we should. You know what I'm thinking, Steve? Maybe we should stop and start over again. What do you think? Well, see, what people we didn't allude to yet was that this is one of the rare times we've re-recorded. We re-recorded one time because we didn't actually record. That happened, so, yeah, a couple of years ago. I remember that. Yeah, we forgot to push the button, so we went through it again. And that's the great, uh, that's the legendary Lost Podcast of the Eastern Target Podcast, which... Yeah. To this day, I don't remember what it was about, but it was one of the best podcasts we ever had. And it, it really was. It didn't. It's, you know, only God knows. That is a tragedy, um, that one. But this one. OK, folks, here's what happened. It was so got, bad. It was we got through fault. three quarters of the podcast and we just started railing at certain things like certain things in the industry and certain industry practices. And at the end, we're like, you know what? This is this is the kind of stuff you and I do at lunch, Steve. On the rare occasions when we go to lunch, it wasn't your <laughs> fault. Than, it was entirely mine. No, no, we we hey, this is a team effort, and I I did my part to screw it up as well. So I'm just letting folks know that uh, we we chose to spare you from our rantings in so much yeah. as we could. You know, you got other you got different rantings from us. As good as that lost podcast was, um, you know, a couple years ago. Yeah, that's how one. bad this yeah. one was. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it was just dumb. I mean, it was it on. A, it was it was actually on a depressing trajectory when we pulled the pin. We, we yeah, we we kept like going back. We're like, well, is it, remember what the topic was supposed to be? And I said, yeah. no. Oh, Here's what I think I, we should do. Here's what I think we should do. Next year. Okay, I'm taking this from another Twitter channel that I follow that's really funny and they've made their own year-end award and uh here's what i think we do we throughout the year 
like say you and I do a podcast and we're reviewing uh, World Cup one. We we nominate any great moments from World Cup one for an Easton award. I like it. And we call it the Eastons and we'll say, okay, you know, funny thing that happened uh, in archery or awesome one arrow shoot off or blah, blah, blah. And then maybe we can work. This is like well above anything we've ever done before. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can work with say a world archery and like, Hey, let's clip this together. Mm -hmm. You know, and then we have people vote. I like it. One arrow shoot off of the year, match of the match of the year, whatever. Um, I don't want to get it to be too serious, but no, but it, you know, I think it should be meaningful. So we should have some kind of a prize that means something. Yeah. It's like a Michael Scott Dundee's, but a little more serious than that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I kind of like it. We like, we touched on stuff this year, but you know, maybe we could have a real, like the whole year dedicated towards this year end thing. Sure. So all it requires of us is after major events, we review what happened and we think if it made us laugh or amazed us and we pick that and we nominate it. Yeah, we generally kind of do that anyway. We'll just kind of formalize it this time. I, I kind of like that idea. I like that. Let's develop that idea and see what it, where it takes us. And I would love to have a listener who's really into this, who will like take it on and you know, help us organize this. <laughs> <laughs> Work sharing, shall we call it? Yes. And what are you um, going to do? Give them a dozen X-10s at the end of the season? <laughs> Compensation? Something I like mean, that? That could be discussed. That could be discussed. So, sure. All right. Hey, I like the idea. That, you see that Meta was... Uh, GQ Man of the Year. Yeah, Turkish GQ Man of the well, Year. Well, still, I'm, I'm still calling it GQ Man of the Year. Yeah, the, the big plaque thing he's holding doesn't say Turkish GQ. It just says GQ, baby. Right, right. So, there you go. So he's there in a, you know, he's black tie. He's there in a tux. Yeah, yeah he, he cleans up well. Pretty cool. Quite honestly, he, he kind of looks like a really skinny Harry Potter type character when he's dressed like that. <laughs> he, uh, he gave a speech. Yeah, he does. He looks like, I'm trying to think who he is. It's the know. glasses. I think it's the glasses. But anyway, he gave a speech and he said, a dream is only a dream when it is built alone. When built yeah. together, it becomes a reality. Wow. Yeah, pretty, pretty deep. That's profound stuff. No, no joke. Well, he's a smart guy and he is uh, a great image for our sport. And I think he's a great ambassador for our sport, too. He's got a genuine, nice personality. And I think that that is something you can't you can't fake. You can't buy. And uh, we're lucky to have him as our current Olympic gold medalist in the sport of archery for the men. And we're lucky to have Ann San, such a, such a great performer, uh, representing the women in our sport as well. So yeah, things I mean, to be much, grateful for, a lot to be grateful for. I'm sure there was stuff, uh, you know, awarded to her here at the end of this year as well. But uh, a lot of her story, as, as we know it at least, was written during the games when she said, no, nah, screw all you dorks who are trying to make me out to be something because of my haircut, you know? Yeah. I'll go ahead and win this Olympic gold and you can continue to be a loser. One thing that. about her, you know, <laughs> I mean, that's when you realize that the more than nearly 60% of Koreans in the entire country watched archery, 
this is not 60% of Korean archery fans, 60% of the Korean population watched archery specifically during the games. One of the factors in archery having an 11% increase in viewership in 2021, in spite of the fact that there was no viewership for the World Championship and World Cup in China, because there was no Chinese participation, it wasn't carried in China. Mm-hmm. So you lost the Chinese market, a couple billion people, and it still had an 11% increase. Yeah. That's I mean, that's huge. a big deal. And it's also a testament to the fact that the sport has become easier to access on television, um, you know, through the various apps. I mean, I, I watched everything I watched on archery from Tokyo was on the NBC app. Uh, it's much more convenient and easy than trying to deal with, you know, the vagaries of cable TV and whatever. But uh, at the end of the day, a lot more people are watching the sport now. And, and uh, so that's another thing that uh, certainly we've seen progress on and uh, maybe another highlight of 2021 increase viewership means more opportunity for non-endemic sponsorship. And that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, maybe someday we will get that subway sponsor. There you go. Well, Steve, I think we're going to wrap it because you've got other stuff to do, but uh, I just want to wish you and Linda a Merry Christmas and we'll talk before the new year. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't have anything else to do, but it, I'll just go home, I guess. <laughs>